Hey everybody, welcome to the Blister Podcast. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check us out online at blisterreview.com. This week we're checking in with Blister's bike editor, Noah Bodman. Noah and I talk about a lot of things that begin with the letter B. Bikes, Brexit, Butte, Montana, Tom Brady, yep, Tom Brady, the best bike movie, Noah's favorite bands, spoiler alert, I haven't heard of any of them, and then we even discuss a few things that don't start with the letter B, like the new 1x12 drivetrains, the current state of bike trails access and advocacy, and whether or not we can expect to see bike trails in wilderness areas, and more. This episode of the Blister Podcast is brought to you by Nest Bedding. The last couple of weeks, we've talked about the importance of sleep to achieve peak performance and for improving the quality of your life day in and day out. But this week, we want to provide a bit of a public service announcement and point out that Nest Bedding makes a mattress they call the Love Bed. Why is it called the Love Bed, and what is it supposed to be good for? Let's just say that, ideally, your mattress should be doing more than just delivering a great night of sleep. Get it? Whether you do or you don't, check out the love bed at nestbedding.com, then ask yourself whether that nasty old stained mattress of yours is really doing you any favors. Come to think of it, I guess we're still talking about improving the quality of your life after all. Okay, now let's get to our conversation with Blister's bike editor, Noah Bodman. So I think we're gonna, I think we're gonna go. I think we're gonna get started. Okay. Um, You're giving me my legal notice that we're recording now. Yes, and I'm giving you my consent. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. You that was a, that was kind of a sticky a sticking point last time, wasn't it? I don't you... think it was a sticking point, but you <laughs> seem to be. Uh, I seem to be breaking new news to you <laughs> that you apparently have been maybe not entirely law abiding. <laughs> Whatever this this ruling on Hillary has emboldened me. I, oh yeah, to just well, sort of think, do what uh, I want. If you've got some sway, then I think you're all right. I'm not quite sure that you pull <laughs> the kind of sway that Hillary does, though. Hmm. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah. That's I, right. Yeah. As of this conversation. That's right. Um. So, um, what did you do for the Fourth of July? Um, well, we had just gotten back from BC, so I screwed around the house a fair amount, did a little bit of unpacking, and then went and watched things blow up. Hmm. The only acceptable answer to this was that you went to Butte and then, like, jumped over rattlesnake pits. Wasn't that what our last podcast conversation, that's, was that supposed to happen over the 4th? I, I don't think that happens over the 4th. Oh. I am not entirely sure when it happens. Maybe it happened over the 4th. I was in Canada, so I was um, busy riding good trails okay. um, and couldn't be bothered to check on those sort of things. So what you're saying is you couldn't be bothered to go spend Independence Day with the good people of Butte, Montana. What is it again that you have against Butte, Montana, Noah? I have nothing against Butte, Montana. Oh. oh. We already established this. I have nothing <laughs> against Butte, Montana, nor the people there. That's not how I but, remember it, Noah. Uh, you're remembering wrong. Luckily, you recorded it, so you can go back and listen to it. Uh, but I will say that the trails in BC are much better than the trails in Butte, Montana. 
Are the trails in BC, would you say, better than the people of Butte, Montana? Uh, that's that's sort of a it's a false dichotomy. Is that the right use of that term? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't compare those things. Okay. Anyway, I would just like to take this moment to apologize to the people of Butte. I don't know why Noah dislikes you so much. <laughs> um, I'm putting this all on you. I, I mean, I'm just, don't shoot the messenger, Noah. But um, let's move on uh, to get <laughs> <No> away. Messages. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get away from your dislike of Butte uh, and turn, uh, let's turn to Brexit. I think we should do some world events. Um, oh, yeah. how do you feel about Brexit, Noah? Um, I'm, um, fairly ambivalent, but, uh, I did, uh, camp while I was in BC with, uh, some good Canadian people, one of which happened to be a former UK citizen, and she seemed fairly unimpressed by her country's most recent decisions. So I'm going to go with that. I, I think she's uh, probably knows better than I do. Fairly unimpressed? Yeah. Huh. That was it, she huh? Fairly uh, unimpressed. She, she was not a big fan of the Brexit. I don't think, uh, were she still voting across the pond, then I think she would have voted against it. Is my understanding. It also seems that fairly unimpressed is probably the most subtle reaction anyone literally in the world has had to Brexit. So, <laughs> fairly unimpressed. Uh, okay. okay. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe, uh, yeah, I, 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 maybe her reaction was a bit stronger than that, and I am toning it down. That's or maybe I mean. it's just that, you know, the British people are inherently polite and understated, hmm. and that's their, um, I don't know, cultural mannerism or something. Ah, this is all bullshit. Yeah, it sounds it's, like it. I mean, it, it, it like... is true that I met a, a formerly British person in BC who was not a fan of Brexit. The rest of it, everything yeah. else that I've said is a lie. Yeah. Ah, it's not a lie. It's just, I don't know. What's between bullshit and a lie? Whatever that is. I don't know. It's probably why you don't get along with Butte, Montana, because I hear those people tell the truth. I get along with Butte. Great. Okay. Um, one more geopolitical question. Well, not really geopolitical, but it has geopolitical ramifications. Uh, okay. Trump and Hillary, can you explain them to me? explain them i don't know if anybody can explain them okay i mean what what kind of an explanation are you looking for i don't know i just i count on you to provide certain insight and i thought you know i hadn't asked you this question before and i thought this would be the perfect opportunity Um, they're both lying assholes and the country is going to go down in flames wow okay (laughs) That's that seems like you are you have a stronger opinion than fairly unimpressed. Well, I don't actually have a stronger opinion. I just wanted to give you a little more meat since oh. you were so unimpressed with my <laughs> fairly unimpressed answer. Okay, um, Noah, who are your top three favorite bands? Top three favorite bands. Um, 
Well, you know, it kind of changes depending on moods and and that sort of thing. Um, let's see. Recently, been listening to a lot of fuzz. They're uh, pretty good. Um, a Thai Seagal vehicle of awesomeness. Um, oh, I was uh, listening to some floor recently. Fuzz uh, and floor. Yeah. Um, I've never those heard both, of either of this. Uh, well, you should expand your musical horizons. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I guess on a, a different side of things, I've been listening to some tobacco like, uh, you know, electronic kind of stuff. So all um, the bands you like are things that can be found in a remote cabin. Fuzz, floor, and tobacco. Fuzz is found in a remote cabin? I don't Well, a cabin. I don't know. Are those, are those all punk bands or quasi-punk bands? No, no, I wouldn't call any of them punk. Fuzz is probably the closest to being punk. Okay. Um... But uh, but no, I'd, I'd call them more like uh, they they sound kind of like Black Sabbath, but with less alcohol and more drugs. Hmm. Okay. Moving on. Um, what did you learn in Whistler? I don't know if I learned anything new. You, um, you learned things you already knew. Uh, well, I just sort of, uh, confirmed the fact that all trails in BC are better than any trails in the U S like the, 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 the bad trails in BC are better than the good trails in the U S wow. obviously there's some exceptions to that rule, but you know, if I'm going to have to make a rule for myself in terms of trails and localities, that's going to be it. The Canadians wow. have it figured out. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Is that it? All trails are better? Well, I mean, if, if I'm going to pick one thing, that's it. I okay. mean, I also found out that Cy likes to ride with a trash bag full of PTOs, <laughs> um, which was great because I like PTOs. Um, I do not like PTOs. Yeah, but you're wrong. I might um, be. <laughs> I might be because every single one of my friends, like I don't know anyone else who doesn't like Pichios. And I think, you know, former uh, guest of the Blister podcast, Angel Collinson, she's all in on Pichios and all things gummy. So I'm, I think I am definitely odd man out on this one. You are, yeah. Um, so sorry. But, but uh, wait, you ate Pichios that Cy had like in his pocket that were in a garbage bag that were like in his. Oh, no, he, was, he was carrying them in a fanny pack. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> I stopped. But he just reviewed. Yeah, he did. Uh, he liked it. And, he liked that fanny pack. Yeah, I mean, it carries a lot of Pichios. Are you a fanny pack guy? No, no. Uh, you're a water bottle guy, and you're angry I'm at a water the world. Guy, I've been spending more time riding in bibs which I kind of hate, but I can, you know, they have the extra pockets in the back that I can carry crap in, so hmm. I can do two water bottles, hmm. which is necessary sometimes. Um, so, yeah, I haven't taken the plunge on the fanny pack yet, but I, I recognize the utility, but, you know, as a child of the 80s, I, I can't 
go back to that just yet. I kind of like hydration packs because I think of them as spine protectors. Because, like, it turns out I crash a lot when I ride bikes. <laughs> you should work on that. I know. Um, but, yeah, I've, I have also used those, uh, the Camelbacks as a spine protector, and they work pretty well for that. But right? they're also super hot, and I hate riding with a pack. Yeah. So. I just need the spine protection. What is the bike race or bike event that you personally would most like to attend? Um, well, that one in Butte where you jump over. Yeah, that's uh, that's it's on the list. I don't know if it's at the top of the list. Wait, when Um, is that one? What is it or when is it? When? Uh, I don't know. I would I would have to look it up. It's part of the evil Knievel days. Yeah, we do need Um, to go to that. Yeah, probably. Okay. Um, so let's see. Other than that, I don't know. All those like those uh big like mega avalanche or uh what is it like mountain of hell or something like that like those big european races where they start on top of a glacier and then end down in the bottom of the valley and do like nine thousand feet of descending in between Mm -hmm. um those look pretty cool where does Um, where does where's rampage where's rampage on your list well, A, Rampage isn't really a race. B, it's invite only, and for some reason they haven't seen fit to invite me yet. And C, am I doing numbers or letters? C, 3. Um, C, 3, P, O? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I would die, so there's that. Um, well, I didn't say compete, which would I was thinking as a spectator. Oh, just like go-to. Yeah, what's that, like, and really, uh, I'm, this uh, is, oh. I, I actually don't care what your favorite one is. What, what, if I were to go to a bike race or bike event, which would you recommend for me as a spectator? Um, I don't know. Fort William World Cup seems like a pretty exciting one. Um, Rampage, I'm sure, is awesome, although I have never been. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess it depends on what you want to watch. Do you want to like actually watch people ride bikes well, or do you want to just like get drunk and heckle? I don't know. It's a tough question. Um, yeah, so it's really like, what, what is your, uh, spectating goal? Seems like it'd be cool to combine those two things. Well, obviously there's going to be a bit of drunken heckling, even at the, you know, real races. And there's going to be some good spectating, even at the ones where pretty much everybody is just shit faced and throwing things at people. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, okay. um, yeah, I don't know. Rampage is probably fun. <laughs> Although I don't think you can get as close as you used to be able to. I think they sort of uh, cordon people off. There was a few too many people crashing into the crowds and crap like that. So, yeah. as, if there aren't an, as if there aren't enough things to crash into around there, we should probably get make like at least cross people and spectators off the list. We get and, the spectators out of the landings. Yeah, yeah, probably good. Um, so yeah, the answer is evil can evil days and we need to make this happen that was okay. what I, that's that um, was the takeaway yeah I, I i agree that uh that that should probably happen i think you should come up and compete in it <laughs> um except the snake pit part there's probably a ride around i would assume yeah but then like the 
what do you call them? Buters? Butanios? They'd all lose a lot of respect Buticians. for me. Buticians? <laughs> oh, man. Um, now you're really going to be hated when you ever, if you, you can't show your face in Butte. Wow. Yeah. Um, I just looked it up. It's uh, July 21st, 21st through 23rd. Ugh, it's right around the corner. It is. It's coming up. I don't even know if we have time to plan. Um, hmm. Yeah. Okay. I think I maybe was supposed to be in Salt Lake then, but we'll we'll see. We'll get creative about this. Um, Salt Lake is is practically next door to Butte. <laughs> practically. Let's talk bike tech because we haven't talked bike tech in a while. Um, what is happening in the world of new bike tech and what new trends do I have to now familiarize myself with? Um, well, if I were a marketing department, I would say that there's all kinds of new and exciting stuff happening. But if I were me talking, then I would say that it's kind of the same stuff (laughs) that we've been seeing for the last year or two. Uh, you know, some new uh, longer bikes. Kona just came out with their new line. Everything got longer. So, you know, it's sort of the normal trend towards longer and slacker mm-hmm. um, and and to some extent lower. So no big surprise there. And I would bet a shiny nickel that we'll see similar changes from quite a few other companies as they roll out their 2017 lineups. Um, other than that, who is, what, what company is currently, what do we say? Cutting against the grain, swimming against the current, who, what company is the biggest kind of holdout and is like, screw all these new trends. This is how we do things. Is anybody, is anybody protesting like tall and short bikes? Yeah. Um, Ellsworth was carrying that flag for a while, but then they got bought last year. And so I think the new company has, uh, has realized that, (laughs) well, I think they realized that the, the way they were able to buy them for such a cheap price is because nobody was buying Ellsworth anymore Uh, because they were all tall and steep. Um, it's really, uh, it's really a shame because that is a fine name. Ellsworth, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you could you could get on your namesake uh, namesake bikes. They've been around forever. Yeah. They have a uh, a cult following. Um, <laughs> yep. Like many things that have a cult following, I think it takes a, a, a unique perspective to appreciate it. <laughs> mm. <clears throat> unique uh, perspective. You're being very diplomatic today. Yeah, well, you know, you've already like set me against all of Butte. I d- I didn't do that, and I'm again. I apologize to the good people of Butte. You for your... did. I have nothing against Butte, and I've I been clear know. on that from I the get go. I don't know. It's just it's really too bad that there's still uh-huh. people like you that try to divide the world. But um, moving on, um, SRAM <laughs> Eagle. Do I need twelve speeds? Um, no. I think it's uh you know it's one of those things that's uh, generally a good idea. It's semi backwards compatible at least. Um, you can't backpedal with it because your chain will fall off. 
but uh <laughs> but that's really a problem with the uh 11 speed stuff anyways so that's nothing new that um, that sentence did not make any sense you it's semi backwards compatible but you can't well, pedal yeah. backwards because your Those chain were will two fall separate thoughts uh, backwards compatible as in you don't need to buy a whole new everything to put it on your bike yeah uh, not backwards compatible, I guess, if you're talking about back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you know, it gives you a huge gear range, and it really kind of uh, it is another step towards making a front derailleur irrelevant. Yeah. Um, I still think that depends a little bit on who you are and where you live. Yeah. Uh, some places have steeper climbs than others. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It looks nice. I'm sure it'll trickle down. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll probably be, I, I would expect they will roll it out really similarly to how they did their 11 speed drive trains, which means that we'll get a budget version of Eagle for maybe five years from now, uh, which is about how XX one trickled to X O one, went to X one, went to GX mm-hmm. and, onward um so um yeah i don't know it's if if you want a wide gear range and you don't want a front derailleur it's a great option nobody Uh, wants a front derailleur no well some people do hmm. but most people don't and some people do that shouldn't they voted to leave those people they definitely were they were leavers they were exiters yep yeah. yeah um clipless pedals versus flats it seems to me this is now just not a thing we're just in a world of to each his own neither's better don't you yeah, feel that way better in certain situations uh, do people really even think of that anymore though i mean i i feel like this is this controversy are... <laughs> what's that the people that are right think that way <laughs> this is this is this is kind of skiers versus snowboarders. Nobody cares anymore. Uh, well, I mean, there are certainly some people on the internet that care, but well, those people don't matter. Correct. <laughs> as as an internet based <laughs> site, those people don't matter. Yep. <laughs> um, what do, what do we? Which is which is uh, which is trending right now? Clipless or flats? Which is on the rise? Jeez. Um, I don't know. I would figure it's probably pretty steady. Mm-hmm. I don't have any numbers to back that up, but oh, we don't need numbers. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Ride whatever you want to ride. They each have their benefits in different situations, and if you like one, then do it. If you don't, then ride the other one. Yeah, you're still clipping in these days, huh? Yeah. Um, except for on the dirt jumper, but uh, yeah, I rode flats for a long time on everything. Now I rode clips on everything. It, yeah. You know, I'm faster on flats in some situations, and I'm faster on clips in other situations. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, e-bikes, are they more of a thing currently or less of a thing currently? Um, again, I think this wraps back around to whether you're talking to the marketing department or talking to people in real life. Real the life. The marketing guys are really pushing it, but... I are think they... I've maybe seen one of them in the wild. Yeah. 
I mean, not counting some weird contraptions on like commuter bikes and road bikes, but for like actual mountain bikes, I think I've maybe seen one actually on trails. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't. It's a, it's a odd market for those things, and there's shitloads of problems with them. Care to expand? <laughs> Jeez. Um, well, uh, you've got all kinds of access issues. Um, you know, are they a motorized bike, which means they're only allowed on moto legal trails? Are they a mountain bike, in which case they're allowed on mountain bike legal trails? And then it gets more complicated because there's all kinds of different e-bikes. There's ones that are pedal assist where, you know, there's no button you can push. They will not go forward under their own power unless you are pedaling. Right. Um, and then there's ones where you can just push a button and it's basically uh, a crappy dirt bike. Yeah. Um, and so drawing the distinction between those gets really complicated. And then there's distinctions between how much power they put out and how big the batteries are and how far they can go and how fast they can go. And I think the e-bike industry is trying to get ahead of this. And they've, they've come up with these various classifications that they argue matter. Uh, I would argue they don't really. Um, and, you know, I would say mountain bikes, uh, human-powered, 100 percent um and so i think e-bikes if you want to go take an e-bike on moto legal trails then go for it yeah. you know i don't i'm not gonna tell you what to have fun on yeah but uh as you know as someone that spends a lot of time arguing about trail access issues here in montana uh i would say that e-bikes should not be on non-moto legal trails I I think I am in the majority of mountain bikers on that front. I think some of the manufacturers are trying to swing that the other way because I think they see a fair amount of potential for e-bike sales. Um, but, yeah, screw them. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> we're going to talk more about um, bike trails and trail advocacy in just a minute here. But first, I have some other really important questions to ask you. Um, do you watch soccer? Uh, no. I mean, if, if I'm in a bar and soccer is on, I will watch it, but I don't. In, in the last decade, have you watched more soccer or football? Football by like a huge margin. Are you a football fan? Not really, but if I'm going to watch, you're not like a Cowboys fan, sport. are you? <laughs> you're no. a cowboys fan god this... no i i'm from massachusetts i'm a patriots fan my head um, just got blown i'm I, I don't even know i'm disoriented right now yeah, well, you're a patriots fan okay i used um, to get my hair cut at the same barber as tom brady no you did not we we practically grew up together <laughs> wait were you were you like in the same week was you may have walked in and got your hair cut like at the same time that Brady was walking in or no. Cause this was way back yeah, in the day. Where, the place where he got his haircut was next door to the bike shop that I worked at. And so, yeah, I mean, we were, like I said, 
practically grew up together. One of the other bike shops I worked at, we actually supplied the Patriots with their exercise bikes huh. on like a week basis because they would destroy those things. <laughs> and like these are like, you know, like the heaviest, most overbuilt exercise bikes that you can get, like the top of the line ones. And they would come back with like solid steel bent into these odd shapes because apparently 400 pound dudes can do a lot of damage to an exercise bike. <laughs> See, the entire, like, the entire purpose of this podcast has now been fulfilled. I didn't know what I was searching for, but this was the nugget. So that was the nugget. Wow. Huh. Okay. I'm going to reflect on that. And next podcast, I'm going to have a lot of follow-up questions for you about your encounters with the New England Patriots and, and their destroying of stationary bikes. What's the best movie about bicycles out there like, that I should watch? Like like a Hollywood movie that has like a, a vaguely bike focus kind of thing or like a bike movie that's just like no plot like it's about bikes. I, what bicycle movie should I watch? It's a simple question. Well, obviously Rad. You should watch Rad. That's at the top of the list. Okay. Um, and then, you know, there's all sorts of like the newer bike, you know, unreal and whatever. That was a good one that came out last year, but I'm more partial to the older movies. Um, hammer time. It's like an old, uh, BMX movie. That one was really good. Um, ah, oh, geez. There's almost a million percent chance that there's got to be some bike movie named Fuzz. So you could watch Fuzz and listen to Fuzz at the same time. I don't know if there was a movie called Fuzz. There was the old mongoose rider called Fuzzy Hall. I'm sure he's still around. He was a BMX guy, and then he made a brief fling into mountain bikes, um, which he stopped because I think he realized that he didn't want to wear spandex, and that was back in the day when everybody wore spandex. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so uh, Fuzzy Hall, that guy's a legend. Back to bike trail stuff. Um, so you and your lovely wife, Erin, are quite involved in trail advocacy, advocacy stuff in Northern Montana, right? You alluded to that a few minutes ago. Yeah. So tell me a bit about this and what you think the key is to creating a good sustainable trail network? Um, uh, the key to getting a good sustainable trail network is to luck into living somewhere where the local land managers will actually pay attention to what you want to do hmm. and will help you do it for less than an absurd amount of money. Hmm. So um, a, lot, a lot of dumb luck is involved. Yeah, or you could just move to Canada. Oh, right. I hear they have good trails up there. They have great trails. Yeah. See, I've been listening, Noah. Yep. Um, okay, well, barring dumb luck, um, you know, let's say, like, if, if I want to try to get involved in a scene where I live, I mean, what are kind of the steps what are the, some of the practical or concrete steps that somebody can take here if we are trying to do something like improve the state of 
the trail networks in a given locale and we don't have dumb luck on our side. Well, it varies a lot from location to location. So, you know, if you wanted to get uh, involved in making your local trails better, Mm -hmm. then I'm sure there is some sort of local organization in Taos that would uh, help out with that. And so basically you can get involved with them and, and those sort of organizations are always looking for both money and volunteer hours. So I'm sure they could set you up with some trails to uh, go maintain. Um, you know, then the trick there is, is, is their mission, uh, does it align with what you're trying to accomplish? Because there's plenty of land managers that are looking to uh, make the trails as user-friendly and as safe as possible, which generally means plucking out rocks and smoothing them out. Um, yeah. And generally speaking, that does not align with what I want to be doing on those trails. Uh, so you kind of have to feel out the local organization and the local land managers and see what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> hopefully if it lines up with what you're doing, because if it doesn't, then you've got a long and painful road ahead of you. Mm-hmm. More dumb luck. Yeah. I mean, it really is. Um, it varies a ton from region to region. It varies a lot, whether you're dealing with the forest service or the BLM or a state agency or some local agency, uh, or a private owner, um, some private owners, you know, there's some places like around, uh, Washington, where there's some great relationships with uh, logging companies. And so there's some good trails on Timberland. Um, other places that uh, that doesn't really work. Mm-hmm. What's your situation in northern Montana like? Uh, we have a severely underfunded and understaffed forest service that uh, tries but they've got a lot of land to cover and not a lot of money to do it, which means when we want to build new trails in better places, since a lot of the old trails are, you know, they're just historic hiking trails out in the middle of nowhere that aren't particularly well suited for bikes. Um, But it's really expensive to get a new trail put on the forest, especially when the forest service can't afford to maintain what they've already got. Uh, We have some, pretty good relationships with some state agencies. So we've got some trails on state land that are, that are fun trails. It's, but it's a, you know, it's a small network. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're in a better situation than a lot of places. Um, but it can always be better. Mm-hmm. But on the upside, we're only like an hour from Canada, so I can just go up there. Do they have good bike trails up there? Oh yeah. We go up to Fernie all the time. Great network of trails. I was kind of joking, but <clears throat> that's okay. Thanks for, thanks for making me, you know, seem dumb now, Noah. Um, <laughs> I, I aim to please. Are you spending your time up there trying to legalize trails? Is it like more time spent kind of trying to legalize or legitimize trails, legitimize trails, or are you, is it more about building new stuff? Uh, so our, our recent big push that we're kind of at the, at the end of the push, um, we got a bunch of 
illegal trails legalized. Um, and so that worked out reasonably well. Um, the trails are still there and they're still fun trails. Um, it was just, it was and continues to be really expensive. Yeah. Um, and then, um, you know, that's on state land, on federal land. You know, getting illegal trails legalized is is a, a tall order that requires a lot of money. Um, possible, but, you know, it's tough in a place like northwest Montana where we really just don't have many people. And so raising money for trails is tougher. I want to get your thoughts on the kind of conflict between mountain bikers and other wilderness users. What are we thinking about that these days? The state of the conflict is this, this is all, it seems like most of my questions are like, is this getting worse? Is it getting better? Where, where are we? Um, well, I guess the, I don't know what, what exactly constitutes worse or better, but the, that conflict is certainly uh, bubbling at the moment. Um, you know, there's a bit of conflict within the mountain bikers between IMBA and the Sustainable Trails Coalition camps. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think both of those organizations have their place and do some good work. I think their their missions are a bit different. Um, you know, I, I think I, I support both of them in their own separate way, I guess. But yeah, I mean, the wilderness thing, it's a, it's a tricky issue, um, you know, that all the regulations and uh, regarding bikes and wilderness got put in place really before mountain bikes even existed for the most part i think the wilderness regulations regarding bikes went into place the same year that specialized first produced the rock hopper which is you know the first mass-produced mountain bike so so yeah i mean wilderness society uh, and sierra club they got ahead of us (laughs) pretty clearly and it's hard to undo that yeah um and you know, it's, well, A, it's an election year, so nothing's happening in Congress. And B, bikes in the wilderness probably isn't really at the top of anyone's radar. Um, you know, if, <laughs> if that's what we're fighting about in Congress, then yeah, I guess that's a indication that everything is going pretty well in the rest of the world. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm not really holding my breath on a positive outcome for that uh for bikes on that but but it would be great if we could uh at least get into some wilderness areas um you know the current fight here locally is whether bikes are going to be allowed into recommended wilderness areas that aren't even designated as wilderness yeah um and that's a big fight so and you know imba has I don't know, like 80,000 members or something like that. I might be totally off on that number, but it's, you know, it's a modest amount. Like Sierra Club, Wilderness Society, those organizations have like millions of members. Um, you know, they've got, they've got 
people in the cities that have never even been in the wilderness probably that are donating to the organizations because they have a conservation mindset. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing that a lot of those people aren't even remotely aware of any kind of conflict between mountain bikes and wilderness. And, you know, that's just not, that's not their concern, but, but they're funding the organization that's fighting the mountain bikers. So that makes it a, that's a, a tough force to go up against. Yeah. So, and lots of credit to sustainable trails coalition for trying to go up against them. Yep. Yeah. Um, last question. Um, what are you reviewing next? Uh, or what are you currently spending time on that you're particularly curious or excited about? Oh, there's a whole slew of stuff. Top, um, top two, top three max. Okay, well, uh, the frame that I am putting time on to review right now is the Da Vinci Wilson Carbon. Mm-hmm. So it's their downhill bike. They just came out with a carbon version that's more or less the same as the aluminum version, but obviously a little bit different because it's a different material. Um, and then along with that... We've got some 2017 Fox suspension, rear shock, the DHX2, and the 40. Um, There aren't any huge revisions to those for this year, but it's been a little bit since I've been on the Fox suspension for the downhill bikes, Um, and it's uh, it's really good. Just hammered the shit out of it for a week in Whistler, um, which is like the equivalent of like 500 days in any other bike park. Um. So yeah, so far, pretty awesome stuff. Um, and then uh, we've got lots of little uh, bits and pieces of trail riding gear and downhill gear, but I guess I'm also putting some longer-term testing time on the carbon wheel sets that uh, I reviewed uh, late last fall and earlier this spring. There's the Reynolds 29 and the NVM60s in the high volume version. And yeah, those are both super sick wheel sets. And uh, I think we talked about this before, but I would hands down recommend that nobody rides those things unless they (laughs) intend to actually buy them because they totally spoil you. Yeah. It's like, it's why, yeah, don't, don't try, don't dabble in heroin. Yeah. Yeah. Not yeah. even once. Not even it's, once. It's just like that. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Unless you have the means, though, probably better to dabble in carbon wheels than heroin. I mean, I'm no scientist, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I haven't seen any medical studies on the long-term effects, but right. uh, I would guess that carbon wheels are probably healthier. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, no one's made the train spotting movie yet about carbon wheels. So I'm going to go carbon wheel. Yeah, maybe it'll be you starring the the fall of Noah Bodman. Yeah, I mean, I kind of look like Ewan McGregor. McGregor. Yeah, or you're like a cross between him and Tom Brady. That's what most of the people I know, they just, that's how they describe like you. Ewan McGregor with Tom Brady's haircut. Exactly. That's yeah. That's exactly right. Well, Noah, um, thank you. Um, it's good to catch up. And next time I have any questions like, 
you know, I need explanations on Trump versus Hillary or Brexit, you know, I'm, I'm going to come back to you. And uh, because you know, my answers to those were so good. Yes. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, good to talk and uh, look forward to seeing more of your review stuff and um, seeing you write about bicycles. Absolutely. Cool. Um, talk to you later. All right. See you. Bye-bye. That's it for this edition of the Blister Podcast. Thanks to Noah Bodman for the conversation, to our strikingly handsome audio engineer, Justin Bob, who finds it offensive to drink coffee rather than beer after 5 p.m. And thanks to Nest Bedding for sponsoring this episode. Be sure to go to nestbedding.com to start getting a great night of sleep and to ensure that the rest of your night is great, too. Till next time, head over to blisterreview.com to see what we're up to there. Subscribe to the Blister Podcast on iTunes, and we will catch you next week.